Lord, thank you that you are a great God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are much bigger than the battles that we are facing. Lord, your word says that your thoughts are higher than ours. Your word says that uh, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above yours. God, there, there is so much about life that we feel unsure about. God, that maybe we don't see the end. Lord, but we trust that, that you are a God that knows. Lord, that you are all-powerful, all-knowing. God, that you see us in our weakness. And your word says that when we are weak, that is when your power is made perfect. God, this morning, can we rejoice in the fact that we don't have it all together? God, but you do. Lord, that you knit our lives together by your awesome and powerful plan. Lord Jesus, that you walk with us through hard times and good times, through days that are difficult and also through days that are awesome. Lord Jesus, wherever you f we find ourselves this morning on that spectrum, God, can we rejoice in the fact that you are with us? God, that you aren't going anywhere, that you have never abandoned us, Lord, and that you're not going to start today. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner curtain behind the inner sanctuary. Lord Jesus, can you enter into the depths of who we are? God, can you be that secure foundation of our lives? God, that we don't need security that the world has to offer because we have you and we have your hope. God, would you be about our conversations today as we talk about wisdom? Lord, I pray that you would prepare ourselves. Lord, we don't come in here to put on a show or a performance. Lord, we don't come in here just to fill a role that we do. God, we come in here to hear your truth and to respond to it. So Jesus, I pray that each one of us would commit our hearts to you right now and say, Lord, would, would you speak to us this morning? God, would you give us a way that we can, we can be and act and look more like you? God, and would we have the vulnerability? Would we have the capacity? Would we have the courage to respond to that and to take steps of faith and surrender? Lord Jesus, we love you so much, and it's in your Son's name we pray all these things. Amen. Well, good morning. It's round two, good morning. <laughs> well, uh, this is our last week of our sermon series, Wisdom. And I actually, Val Valerie, could you put uh, Proverbs 3? It should be my second slide up there. Um, I'm throwing them a curveball. There it is. Okay, so I have a personal challenge for you guys today. During my sermon... I'm going to reference this scripture multiple times. And this is what I thought would be kind of fun. You know how we said we need to hide God's word in our heart? And we do that through memorization. So whenever you see this verse 
come on the screen. I just want you to belt it out with me. Fair enough? We can, we can do a test run. Because I, I don't know if we're all ready yet. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a test run. So I'm going to say, all right, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Look at that. Good morning, Anchor Church, right? <laughs> all right, so this morning we have a very simple topic. And that is this truth that I want to show you, that, that the wise bend their lives to the truth, and the foolish bend the truth to their lives. Uh, have you ever experienced this? Like, the wise, they see God's truth, and they say, how do I need to apply this? How do I need to change so that God's truth is reflected in my life? And the foolish, they go the opposite direction. They say, how do I make God's truth say what I need it to say? Uh, how do I make God's truth more convenient for my life? And this is what happens a lot of times, even after you're a part of the church. Uh, did you know that you can go to church and still be really lost? You know, you can, you can come every single week and still not be living in God's wisdom. And, and we find ourselves doing, saying things like, uh, yeah, I know what God's word says, but, like, come on, you don't know what I'm going through. Or we say things like, I know what this says, but that's just, like, I don't really think that that applies to my situation. Uh, you know, I know what, what God's word says, but I think this is how I creatively apply it to my life. And this is, this verse that we have today, it is what it looks like to not bend God's word to your preferences, but to bend your life to God's truth. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I'm not going to lie, I kind of forgot about it already. Uh, and you guys started out, I was like, all right, let's do it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but this verse is a verse of vulnerability. Uh, it says, Lord, my life is an open book. You read every chapter you want and make whatever edits you want to make. It's saying, Lord, I'm going to seek your wisdom in everything that I do. And you'd say, well, what does wisdom and vulnerability have to do with each other? And I would say everything. Uh, because wisdom is the ability to recognize truth and the vulnerability to apply it to your life. To say, Lord, I hear what you say about this, and I want my life to look like that. And, and in the realm of Jesus relationships, uh, this is like having Jesus be a refrigerator friend. Let me tell you what I mean. Have you ever had those people in your life that if they just walk in your front door or maybe your back door, and they go through, go straight to the fridge, grab a soda, grab a snack, and sit down on your couch next to you, like maybe not even saying hello, you wouldn't even be phased by it. Do you have those people? Yeah, I had those people. Um, <laughs> had. Uh, when I was, uh, last year, I lived in a one-bedroom apartment over on Murray, which, props to me, I survived that, okay? Uh, <laughs> I lived in a one-bedroom apartment on Murray, and I would literally come home to Elizabeth sitting on my couch, okay? 
<laughs> like, like, no warning, no text. I just open the door, and there she is. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and, and finally, we were like, man, this is ridiculous. We should just be roommates. So we moved in together into the parsonage, and then we accumulated another one, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Miss Valerie. And I remember... But like, she was just over at her house all the time. I don't remember giving her a key. I think she just kind of like immaterialized at some point. Um, but, but she was just there all the time. And I remember we'd come home and she'd just be chilling. And eventually, and she was always there. And let me tell you, if you asked me what day Valerie moved in, I would not be able to tell you, okay? I honestly don't know. <laughs> I think I could tell you the month, but maybe at best. Uh, but that's what wisdom looks like in a relationship with Jesus. It's letting him move in and just exist in every aspect of your life. Good days, bad days, in-between days, all of them. And just saying, here's the key, you have your way. And what does it look like for us to be vulnerable enough to say, Lord, you can just come over. Lord, you can just be a part of my life. Let's read that verse again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. In other versions, it says that when you acknowledge him, when you are seeking his wisdom, he will show you which path to take. And that's a really good truth, and that's a promise that I need a lot of days. Uh, I am... I do some things that I'm not proud of, you know, getting piercings on Platt Street, you know, that's something uh, I'm not proud of. But, but there are times when I need that wisdom, when I need God's wisdom. And this, the promise of this verse is that when you make yourself available to God, he will lead you down the right path. This is like a win-win situation, guys. <laughs> you know, if I submit to his wisdom, he's going to show me the right path to take. He's going to lead me in his grace and his truth. And when we do that, we end up going down the right road. And I'm going to be honest with you, I really wanted to do a blonde joke this morning. Um, but those are so outdated. And like, I know so many blondes that are so much smarter than I am. And I put blonde in my hair recently, so I really like, I feel like that's just, how can you even group an entire group of people by one physical attribute? So... Um, there was a redhead, and, uh, <laughs> and, and she was driving in a storm, in a snowstorm, and she got lost. And she's like, I don't know where I am, I can't see anything. And she remembered that her dad had told her, listen, if you ever get lost, just follow the snowplow. When you get lost in a snowstorm, follow the snowplow, and you'll figure out where you're going. And so she started to do that. And so she's following the snowplow for like an hour. And eventually the snowplow guy, he gets out of the car, he comes to her window, and he says, what are you doing? And she says, no, my dad, he said, follow the snowplow if you ever get lost. And he's like, okay, that's fine. I'm done with the Walmart parking lot. Did you want to come with me to Target? <laughs> Yes. Anyway, there's a point to that joke, I promise. Um, and the point is this. In order to get to the right destination, you have to be on the right road. You know? If you want to be like an NBA player, you better own a basketball, right? 
you know, if you want to own a restaurant one day, you're going to have to learn how to cook. Or maybe take a cooking class at Anchor Church. I don't know. Uh, just throwing it out there. But uh, <laughs> if you want to be like a world-class photographer, you got to own a camera. And, and the same is true with Jesus. If we want to be more and more like him, we have to listen to his wisdom. And we have to apply it. It's not going to just, you know, one day you wake up and you look in the mirror and you see Jesus instead of your wrinkles. You know, that's not going to happen. Uh, it's choosing day in and day out to say, yes, Lord, I want to respond to your wisdom accordingly, uh, to give into the path that he says. And the problem is, is that we're on different paths. Right now, your life, you might be on a path to success or a path to wealth or a path to appearance or a path to a relationship. And the hard truth is that those paths you can drive them. You're going to find yourself going in circles. And then at the end of it, you're going to realize, where's my purpose in all this? Where's Jesus in all this? And I'd say that we have to be vulnerable enough to say, Lord, I mean, to quote Carrie Underwood, Jesus, take the wheel, you know? Uh, you know, Lord, wherever you want to go, I will go there. And yet we still, we still don't, necessarily master that. I think that there are times when, when we ignore God's wisdom. And last week we talked about how God's wisdom is always for our benefit so that we are closer with him. But we still ignore it. And so today I want to talk through four categories of life that we commonly ignore God's wisdom. And I'm going to call these the four pitfalls of wisdom really wanted like a rainbow when I did that. Okay, four pitfalls of wisdom. And there are four areas that if you're going to ignore God's wisdom, especially in 2018, it's probably going to be in one of these four areas. Now a disclaimer, okay? Uh, these are four pitfalls of wisdom because applying God's wisdom in these areas is a pain in the butt. Okay, uh, this is like right up there with mowing your lawn and doing your taxes and flossing twice a day. You know, they're things that we know we should do, but it's never really fun or convenient to do. Um, so please don't call the messenger today. Uh, these are all issues where we probably find ourselves. And my challenge for you this morning is that you might say all four of them. I need all four of them, wisdom in all the areas. But maybe today is just... I'm going to pick one, and I know that I need to apply God's wisdom in that one area. Fair enough? All right, so the first one, choose to be wise with your attitude. Uh, we get to choose to be wise with our attitude. Uh, Proverbs 10, verse 8, it says, The wise are glad to be instructed, but babbling fools fall flat on their faces. Um, how many of you guys like to be told that you're wrong? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Greg's like, I'll do it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, how many of you guys hate being told that you're wrong, right? Uh, whenever I get like a piece of spinach in my teeth or my zipper's undone, you know, it's always really a blessing when somebody tells me those things, but it's still embarrassing, isn't it? You're still like, oh gosh, how long did I do this? You know, how long has that piece been there? Because it's never fun hearing how 
you're not measuring up or how you're not functioning well. And so my question for you is, when you are reading God's word and it challenges you, what's your response? When you hear a sermon on Sunday morning and it, man, it like punches you straight in the gut, what's your response to that? You know, is it saying, Lord, how do I apply this to my life? Or is it making excuses? Oh, well, this is the, the person that said that is probably dealing with some stuff and I don't need to listen to them. Or is it, man, that's an old and tired book. Like, that's just the Bible. Like, that's for the Israelites years ago. I don't need to apply that to my life. Or is it saying, man, what do I need to do to make my life like this? See, what we said at the beginning is that the wise person will bend their life to match God's truth. And that means when we get criticism, when we get feedback, when we get uh, convicted, we say, how do I apply it? And I think that the hard part is that foolish people, when they get feedback, they justify it. This is why I believe this way and I don't need to change. Or they ignore it altogether because it doesn't feel good. But when wise people receive feedback, when they get uh, convicted, you know what they do? They thank people. Uh, I have the opportunity to mentor a girl in our church, and we were talking about stuff that I don't remember. I just know it was not like a fun topic. And she says to me, Lindsay, thank you so much. I need somebody to call me out like that. Do you thank people in your life that speak truth into your life? Do you thank uh, Jesus for convicting you on a Sunday morning? Because we, we can choose to have a good attitude or a bad one towards him. Uh, we can choose to be uh, very stuck in our ways, or we can choose to be teachable. And I get to lead a lot of people at our church, and I love it. And if I had the opportunity to choose between a really talented person that knew everything and a very teachable person, I'd choose the teachable every time. Uh, because the, the talented person that knows everything, they're like God's gift to man. You know, <laughs> they've got it all figured out. Uh, but teachability, it shows a humility. That's saying, Lord, I don't have it all together. Lord, I need your strength, and I need your wisdom. So maybe you find yourself this morning saying, maybe attitude. Maybe I need to have a better attitude about what I'm hearing. And a good way to know this is when you are called out by Christ or by somebody, one of your close friends, do you respond with, excuses and becoming calloused? Or do you respond with growth? I love this verse. I, I referenced it during prayer this morning. Isaiah 55. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than the ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The Lord has great plans for you. But it doesn't come from just pretending like you know everything. It comes from a willing acceptance of, Lord, whatever you say, I want to do it. All right, next one. Choosing to be wise in your relationships. Now, the Bible talks about a lot of different relationships and a lot of different kinds. This morning, I want to unpack intimacy and sexuality. And you might say to me, it doesn't talk about that, Lindsay. 
And I will say politely, well, apparently you're not reading. Because uh, <laughs> it talks about that maybe a little too much, okay? Uh, because God created it. Uh, and he wanted to set some parameters up for that. And I think that talking about, about this, um, I think we've made uh, some very dumb mistakes when we talk about this. Uh, because uh, when we address it, we, we talk about, sorry, I just lost my talk about sex. Look at that. <laughs> Proverbs 5, verse 18, it says, this is a father writing to a son. It says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her <clears throat> satisfy you, always. <laughs> May you always be captivated in her love. Guys, see what you're missing by not doing your devotionals? Like, look at that, okay? Uh, but I've never heard a sermon preached on this, this verse ever, okay? Because it's kind of awkward. But, but this verse, it applies to so much about relationships. It doesn't just apply uh, to husbands. It, it implies to wives. It implies to, to single people. And I can say that because I'm one of you, okay? Uh, but it, it, it speaks to everyone. That, that in the line of wisdom, God's plan for human intimacy and sexuality is in marriage. And it also is staying with your spouse. Now, in a room this size, we have people that have gone through terrible circumstances. Uh, you have gone to hell and back, and it ended in divorce. And I am not saying that, that I'm not dismissing the pain of that. And I'm absolutely not saying uh, that maybe there was circumstances that brought that upon. However, right now, where you're at today, God's plan for your life is for intimacy to be in marriage. It is for that to be a bond that you have with your spouse. And not in your living boyfriend or your forever fiancé. <laughs> It's a, in a committed, forsaken all others sort of love relationship. And here's the point, is that when, when hard times happen, and they will, you face them together. You weather the storm together. And I think so often, Christians, we've made this about the wrong thing. We've made this conversation about the big V word, virginity. And we say, if you can just hang on to the honeymoon, you'll be okay. And that's just not true. Uh, God's concern is not about virginity. It is about purity. Uh, God's concern is purity in relationships. And that is within any relationship. That is within your friendships. That is within your family. That is within your marriages. Purity in every single form. And the reality is, is that single people, young people, we... We live in a culture that is not concerned with purity anymore. Uh, it's something that is laughed at now. And it, what it boils down to is that I know a lot of virgins that aren't pure, uh, that are addicted to pornography. Or maybe they ask the question, how far can I go and still honor God? As if that question even honors God to begin with. And when we ask that question, it shows that our concern is not for God at all. Our question should be, Lord, how do I get more of you? How do I be more like you? And so God's concern is purity. And so when you're single, 
I'm sorry, purity includes refraining from sex. It means saying, no, I am saving this for my future husband or my future wife. And I'm not saying that if it's happened, there's no grace for that. Please don't hear that. What I am saying is not refraining from sex for, you know, just because you think it's an old dusty rule that you don't really think applies to you is not the right reason. But it's saying, I am choosing purity in all of my relationships. And one of the most important relationships you're ever going to be in is the one that you're committed to for life. I'm choosing that. And when you get married, it doesn't go away. Like you're still supposed to be pure in all of your relationships. Uh, this verse, it says, may you always be captivated by her love. Purity in a marriage context looks like being captivated by one person and one person only. It's my, it, this verse is sometimes translated as intoxicated with their love. And some of you married people in this church, y'all are so barfy. Oh my gosh. You guys are so barfy. Like, okay, so we went on a women's camping trip, right? It is two nights. Two nights! By day two, I am hearing, oh, I miss them so much. Oh, I haven't seen them in 24 hours. And I'm like, dude, I've been waiting 28 years for my husband. You can wait 48 hours. And then at the end of it, um, Dale and Dwayne, they came up just to pick their wives up from camping. And they're like, oh, I was so glad you came. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, Barbie, okay? Barbie, Barbie, Barbie. But, but, that, <laughs> but, but that's what, what captivating in each other's one love looks like. It's saying, I don't have eyes for anybody else but you. And it's barfy and it's wonderful. And single people, like, look me in the eyeballs right now. Is that not what we want? Isn't it? Like, isn't that what we want to be like, he has eyes for only me. And anything that falls short of that, we may justify it, we may make excuses for it, we may decide it's just not for us, but anything short of that, we know in the depths of who we are that it's cheap. We do. I want that kind of barfy love. I mean, within reason, but barfy love. <laughs> and God's wisdom is saying, walk in purity. Uh, not in, not just for this time, commit to purity for the rest of your life. That means that, that when I'm in a marriage, I'm not filling my head with pornography. I am not looking elsewhere for attention, uh, but I am captivated and intoxicated by one person alone. Okay, I gotta move on from this because like, I can just feel it in the room. Um, but, but now that we've had the birds and the bees conversation, what can be worse, okay? But I promise you it does get worse. Number three, choose to be wise with your finances, okay? Um, yeah, I know, I know. I'm like hitting all the good ones in one sermon. Uh, join us next week when we talk about puppies and kittens. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> Proverbs 21, verse 20, it says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Uh, statistics show that the average American lives on 110% of their income. Wow. <laughs> I am no math major, 
but that math does not work out for me to live on 110% of what I make. Uh, and, and this is absolutely true. We are stretched too thin. Uh, we get credit cards and loans and debt, and we accumulate it to the point where we are stretched so thin. Uh, Larry Burkett, he's one, of, he's one of many Christian financial advisors. He has a very simple rule called the 10-10-80 rule. And he says, you should be giving the first 10%, which is your tithe to God. You should be saving the next 10%. And you should be living off of 80%. And in his book, he goes on to say that if you are not living at only 80% of your income, you're probably living above it. You're probably getting into that 110% category. And finances, like, let's just be real, they are not easy or fun. You know, they're not things that, I don't get excited about spreadsheets. I know some of you people do, okay? Um, but, but it's not easy or fun. And it's stress-inducing. And the reality is, is that dealing with them, it is, though, an opportunity to trust God. It is an opportunity to keep your life and your heart in check. Uh, I recently, about a year ago, went through a program that we offer at our church called Financial Peace University, uh, run by Dwayne back there. And I was not ready to do that. Um, I told Dwayne like a week before, I said, listen, I don't want you to know how much money I spend on coffee, <laughs> okay? Like I was not ready to do that, okay? But I went through this process and I, I learned some tools and we had some reality checks like clipping up credit cards and painful moments we don't have to revisit. But I went through this process and what I realized and what the Lord taught me was that I was checking my bank account like several times a day. And when I would check that number, it would determine whether or not I had peace that day. It would determine whether or not I was anxious. And now that that's flipped, now money is a tool that my God can use. <laughs> money is a tool that my God can use. And he rules my peace. And he supplies what's in my bank account. And so I don't know if this is where you're at. Maybe you say, yeah, I need to get this figured out. Uh, I am stress-induced every single time I look at my, pay, my paycheck. Um, if you are interested in that, Dwayne in the back, he would love to talk to you and get you signed up for the next round of this. I would absolutely suggest it. It changed my life. Um, but also know that the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but so is the water bill, okay? <laughs> you know? um, I don't always have everything that I want, but I do have something, and that is peace. And God calls us to have peace in our, our relationship with money. All right, last. Choose to be wise with your words. All right, now I'm just meddling. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I was writing this sermon this week, and I told one of my friends, I was like, this just feels like I'm bringing up politics at a dinner party. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but that's just what this sermon is. But if you know that your relationships and your attitudes and your finances are all, you know, at their peak wisdom, maybe you find yourself in this last category. So Proverbs 29, verse 11, it says, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. I'm just going to read that one one more time. 
<laughs> Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Anybody have trouble with this one? Uh, I know. Uh, ever hear somebody say or say yourself, I just need to get this off my chest? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I said it this week. Okay. Um, hi, my name is Lindsay Hafner, and I am a venter. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, open, openly admit it. But, but has anything good ever followed that statement? <laughs> no, no, no. All the guys in the room are like, no, sir. <laughs> but, but absolutely not. Uh, and what happens when we vent our anger, when we don't have control over our words, is that I'm a talker, and so I can get started with like a minor inconvenience, and I can talk myself into believing that the sky is falling because of this, right? And I would say that if that's where you find yourself this morning, let's, let's read this in Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even fools are taught wise, thought wise when they keep silent. <laughs> Their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Yeah, rude, okay? Um, but sometimes when we let our mouths run our lives, instead of encouraging and empowering other people, uh, we discourage them and we dehumanize them. And this isn't just others. Sometimes the worst person that you talk about is yourself. Sometimes you say the worst possible things to yourself. Um, sometimes we say those things because we don't want anybody else to say them to us. And so we start to vent. And when we look in the mirror or we go through something, we look at ourselves and we just let loose. And the hardest part is that we believe ourselves. So maybe this is the area that that you're like, yeah, I'm not listening to wisdom in my words. And maybe you are venting about others or yourself way too much. And maybe God is calling you to a season of silence. <laughs> I want to issue a challenge for this one. What if instead of venting, we chose to pray? Now, if you're a venter in this room, you're like, Jesus ain't going to want to hear anything that I have to say about them, right? <laughs> like, that's, that sounds insane. But what if instead of venting, we chose a posture of prayer? What if instead of venting about all the ways that I fail, I bring them to the feet of Jesus? And I say, Lord, I'm really struggling to see this today. But what if instead of venting about how my coworkers or my family or my friends are failing, I go to Jesus and I say, Lord, would you give me wisdom to deal with this? I love this verse in Luke 6. Jesus says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Sometimes our enemies are ourselves. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. I'm going to read it again. But to, to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you and bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. There are times in life when the most wisest thing we can do is remain silent. 
Which brings us back full circle to our original verse, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Uh, Another version of this verse says, lean not on your own understanding. And I like that verb because it implies that when we need to lean on something, we lean on him. And I also like that because it implies a bending movement. (laughs) Do we bend to God's truth or do we try to make God's truth bend to our lives? Uh, Where do you find yourself this morning? Do you find yourself saying, in my finances, I am not bending to God's truth? Do you find yourself not bending to his truth in your relationships? Maybe it's your words. Maybe it's your attitudes. This morning, I, I want to welcome you guys and introduce into a time of prayer. And I'd like for you guys to take a posture of prayer while we do this. For some of you, the Lord is like, it's got to happen this Sunday. And my challenge for you is not to stay in your seats, but to come to the altar so that people can surround you in prayer. And if that's you, um, would you take that posture of prayer right now? Whether it's within your seats, or if it's standing, or if it's kneeling down at the altar, will you, will you come and do that right now? would kneel with me this morning. Lord God, the biggest part of having wisdom in our lives is starting at a posture like this. God, it is starting at a place where we know that we don't have it all together. Lord Jesus, the good truth that we memorize today is that that when we follow, when we lean on your understanding, God, you, you show us the path to take. God, you give us the courage to walk down it. Lord, whether that's in practical ways, Lord, in our in the words that we say or the attitudes that we have. Lord, if it's in our finances, God, if it's within our purity. Lord, this morning we want to say to you that we don't have it all together. God, and we don't know what it looks like to rely on your wisdom in this category. God, but you do. In the quietness of your heart, will you just name that? Lord Jesus, we lay it at your feet. God, would you give us people to surround our lives with? 
that would teach us how to, how to act wisely, how to look more like you. God, would you give us the courage to take steps towards that this week? Lord, that our lives would be forever changed. God, we don't, we don't want our attitudes and our words to reflect our hearts. We want it to reflect who you are. God, we don't want our finances just to be accumulated over and over again. Lord Jesus, we want to trust your peace. God, your word says that you provide cattle on a thousand hills. Lord, and we lay the money down, and we say, Lord, would you work through us in that? God, in our relationships, Lord, it is so hard. It is so hard to trust you, and it is so hard to see, see ahead when all we can see is what is right in front of us. Lord Jesus, I pray and I thank you for giving the courage to the folks in the room that say, I need to commit to purity again. Whether it's within singleness or within married life, God, we want to commit to purity again. Lord Jesus, we love you and we trust you and we know that you don't lead us into a place that is unknown, that you haven't already gone. God, that your word says that he who began a good work in you is faithful to finish it. Lord Jesus, will you see us through these next days and this next season of trusting you more freely and more? It's in Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen.